I don't know if you have Netflix, but there is this what I cannot personally endorse as a pastor that you should watch called Stranger Things. It is set in the 80s and it is filled with the, just the most bizarre stuff ever. Like there's kids in it who do things besides just this all that. But we just thought it's, it's one of those things that just seems to be like a cultural phenomenon. And I think the things that usually hit our culture, uh, like a song that seems to be inspiring us or a show like this, is speaking something uh, to our culture. And we thought we would play with it too because it gave us an opportunity to talk about some stories from the Bible that are just weird. I mean, I know I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to like talk about the Bible and be like, no, this is all great. And, but there's just some weird stuff in there. Like there's this guy, he's named Elijah, and he's a prophet. Okay, a prophet means he speaks the truth of God. And somebody made fun of his receding hairline. And he called a bear from the woods to attack the guy who was making fun of him. That's one of those things where you read it out of the Bible, and you're just like, I, what do I do with that? Have, have, I, I, maybe for you, you're like, how are there still Christians in the world? Have they read all the books of the Bible? Because there's just some bizarre stuff in there and we kind of wanted to play with with some of them and uh, Pastor Scott's going to talk about uh, some in the coming weeks but I get to kick off one of the first ones and we call this chapter one heavy metal um, and we're going to go into a book in the Bible it's second Kings uh, chapter six verses one through seven and as we're getting into this I I don't know if uh if, if you're visiting Lake Point Church today, if I say anything that's weird, our pastor will fix it next week. So I just I invite you to come back and check it out. I, in fact, I would encourage you, give it three weeks and just check things out and just figure out if Lake Point uh, Church is for you because we want to serve you, we want to love on you, we want to walk through life with you. But um, I also want to tell you that... Um, I am so blessed to call you my church. I, I, have, uh, I have journeyed with some pretty wonderful churches in my life, some pretty wonderful people. And what I've experienced from you, the, the texts and the phone calls, with everything going on in our life, which I'll talk about in a few moments. Uh, my wife had a stroke um, back in May, and we've just been walking through that journey together. You're an incredible church. But I can, I can say that honestly, and this is with no ulterior motive other than honor. I have an amazing leader and pastor. My boss, I have the best boss that you could ever ask for. You'd... He was the first, him and his wife Karen, who gives the best hugs when your life is falling apart and when you're terrified. Um, they showed up at the hospital, and I don't know what to say, when my wife was in surgery. She had just been in a helicopter from uh, Troy, a hospital, one hospital and all the way uh, to Royal Oak and they did it so fast and he was the first guy who sat down and he handed me a Diet Pepsi which is my love language <laughs> and he said we don't have to talk I just want to be here and uh, brother I'll remember that the rest of my life that that that's how we do community here and the reason that we do that so well is because we're led so well so I want to jump into uh, second Kings uh, chapter 6 this is a uh, right around when a new guy had taken over. His name is Elisha, and uh, he's, he's got just a weird way of doing miracles. I mean, 
Jesus did things weird sometimes too, but he also would just like walk on water and calm storms or heal a blind guy by spitting in his eye and like taking care of him. But Elisha was just, I love this dude, he's so weird. Okay, 2 Kings chapter 6. Now the sons of the prophets, that was the name of their kind of collective group. The sons of the prophets said to Elijah, See, the place where we dwell under your charge, it's too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan and let us get there a log and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, go. Then one of them said, be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, okay, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water and he cried out, Alas, Master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Well, where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and he threw it in there. <laughs> and he made the iron float. And then he said, Take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. Doesn't that just get right to your heart? <laughs> Let's pray about this. God, we love you. We want to understand you, and uh, we want to connect with you. We want to relate to you. May we uh, be inspired by you today and understand that your ways, though mysterious and strange, are perfect. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Isn't it interesting how we are in the middle of a transition as a church right now? We are also looking at our current dwelling place and saying, this isn't working for us anymore. anymore. We want to tell the world that there is a God, His name is Jesus, and we want to build a church that says to the community, we're here to stay, and we want to make a difference. So up out of the Lutheran uh, high school gym, I love it that we're in a Lutheran church. They don't believe in baptizing by submersion like we do, but they let us store our baptismal tank in their library. <laughs> I just think that's awesome, man. I just We're all on Team Jesus. I dig it. But we're getting out of here, and we're, hopefully, hopefully this fall, we're going to be uh, opening our doors in Shelby Township. We have discovered that it's time to go to a place that's more suited for ministry, which is exactly what these guys are going through. They've looked around and they've said, Elisha, what we're trying to do with you, they had a dope church name, the Sons of the Prophets. A little culty nowadays, but still, very cool name, Sons of the Prophets. I just want something more Justice League about our name or something. But he says everything has to change. So they go, in Eli and they go to Elisha and they say, hey, can we have your blessing for this because you've got great power? And he says, yeah, go. And then they say to him, well, will you come with us? while we go build this structure. And they say, okay, yeah, I'll go with you. And that's the right thing to do. They sought out wisdom. They sought out counsel. That's so good. Then they ask for Elisha to go with them. They're trying to say, just like if you're familiar with the story of a guy named Moses, he, Moses says to God, I'm not going anywhere unless you go with us. I can't do it on my own. They say, good. They're doing all the right things. They go to the Jordan, which is a powerful set of water, but here's what we know about the area at that time. They, uh, they don't produce amazing trees around there, so these were probably like smaller trees in the area, so it was humble. They weren't trying to build something amazing and grandiose and impressive, so they're doing something really good, 
And then they get there and they're working hard. It says if each one of us would carry a log, so everybody's pitching in for the effort. There's no slackers. Everybody's in on the game. It's total unity. And then something still goes wrong. Something breaks. The one resource other than people that they have snaps off and is broken. So what went wrong? I mean, that's how we do work with things, right? I'm living in Michigan with the rest of you, okay? There's a lot of engineers in this area. So if I talk to a table of engineers and I bring up one problem, there's going to be 10 solutions per dude, and we're never going to get out of there. And people are just like, okay, whoa, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? All right, when I was uh, an intern at a church, I told them, hey, I'd like to build a stage uh, to like raise up our tech booth so we could see over the people as we're trying to mix sound. And there were literally five committees that had to approve my platform to just raise it up. And then there were blueprints. There was a debate about it. There were church meetings. My pastor was like sweating. He's like, why did you ask for a thing? Like, I, <laughs> that's just how we work, man. We're like, there must be a problem. There must be a cause. What is the Lord doing? We're teaching it. Somebody didn't pray. So I want to like, dig into this because here's what's going to happen. You and I are getting ready to go on a journey to a new place, and somebody's axe is going to get busted. And we are probably going to do the very human thing. Who screwed up? <laughs> and I'd like to get ahead of that a little bit and just talk to you about how God can take very heavy things and make them float again. Because I believe that our God can bring a dead thing back to life. Here's what we know about the sons of prophets. They were humble, if you're taking notes. They were humble. They asked permission. They, just, they weren't like overly excited and get ahead of it. And their attitude, even in asking Elisha for permission, says that they still knew that they needed God's blessing. Even though they thought it was doable, let each one of us take a log. That's good. We know that they were hard workers because they were all willing to carry their share of the work. So they're humble. They're willing to work hard. But the third thing that we know is that because they were obedient, they eventually also become broken. We know that they were broken eventually. They were helpless. We know that they couldn't even afford the tools that they needed, and the one tool that they managed to borrow somebody is that they were broke. So in broken, we also know that these guys were broke as well. They were probably living in a version of poverty. They didn't have a lot of money. The tricky part sometimes for us when we preach up here is we're talking to like two kind of sets of people. We're talking to some of you who um, have pulled in with Alexis, and there's other, others of you who you pulled in with you know, that car that runs. And I want to talk to both of you because I think both of you can be broke. I live in that tension right now. So when I say broke, I think that you can be completely filled in the bank account and you can be completely corrupt in the heart and broken. I believe that you can have nothing at home but have everything in your life. And I want to tell you that these guys, they had nothing on top of nothing. What we know about iron right then is the only people who really had iron were usually Romans because they had all of the stuff. We know that these guys were broke, broke. 
because it was a very expensive material. So they showed up. They did all the right stuff. They asked all the right questions. They did all the right planning. They picked a location that they knew would be suitable and they could manage and would draw more people. They knew that they could do it. But something still breaks. Why? Who sinned in this story? Somebody screwed up. That's usually what I'm thinking. If something goes wrong somewhere in a church or an organization, it's just because somebody screwed up. I'm reading a, a book right now, and the, the author uh, opens up the story, and he, he starts telling a historical account. There is a famous world leader in history who eventually takes over, um, and as he's taking over, the day that he starts, because he's won the election, he actually has to celebrate the previous leader on the way out. And the previous leader was a master military mind. And they were doing uh, parades celebrating his life, this new uh, world leader that was taking over. And as he was taking over, there was parade after parade because this new guy had won the election. He didn't have very much military experience, but the, the previous guy did have a lot of military experience. And there was, even a, there was a world war that this guy had won, and this guy had done nothing. Now, if you're trying to piece together who I'm talking about, it would be really natural for you to think it was JFK. But if I tell you that the year that it happened was in 1933, actually who I'm talking about, the new young leader taking over, was Adolf Hitler. The story gives an example in it that one piece of information changes everything. So if you have enough information, you can usually make a wise decision. So no, I wasn't talking about Kennedy. I was talking about the other guy that I, his name I don't like talking about from the pulpit. So we think that if we have enough data, we have enough information, if we ask all the permission, if we pray all the right prayers, then God is just going to take care of us. And then when things go wrong, if the one tool that you think God has entrusted you with breaks, we start thinking, well, someone must be learning a lesson right now. And God is trying to teach something because somebody did something wrong. May I suggest to you that sometimes the broken things are not God trying to fix a wrong, but usually is God trying to make a right more clear to us all. Maybe the broken pieces are the opportunity for everything to change. May I suggest to you that the broken parts are the best parts. So here's what I think happens though things go wrong it reminds me of something i heard a southern preacher say one time because they get all the best stuff he says sometimes we treat the lord like a spare tire we're glad he's there but we sure do hope we don't need him and they need god to show up and something ridiculous happens these guys say everything's falling apart the word that is used in the scripture here is alas Oh, man! I just wanted to give you the Greek translation from that. It's not even Greek in here, but it's still fine to me. Elisha goes up to the one good set of resources they had because they had cut some logs down. And the Scripture says that he breaks off a stick. He literally ruined one of the good things they had going for him. What an idiot! At least one person, I'm sure, exclaimed because these are religious folks and there's always at least one. What a waste. Oh my goodness. They, you have everything you need to build the right building and you just go over there and you crack it in half. And then he does something ridiculous. The, the Bible says this. This is such inspired language. Sarcasm incoming. 
The man of God said in verse 6, where did it fall? Then he showed him the place, and he cut off a stick, and it says this literally, and he threw it in there. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous way to put I don't know. I, like, I read Scripture, and I expect it all to be like Shakespearean level, and thus he didn't depart the stick from thine hand. <laughs> right, he just tosses it in there. And then, and then, it made the iron float. May I also suggest to you that what looks like a waste of resources is actually an opportunity for God to show that we are all we ever need. Here's what I think was happening here. A good plan can really easily push out God. And if your life does not require God to move, may I suggest that no one will ever tell your story. This is a story that barely shows up in the Scriptures anyways. But the only reason that it shows up is because the star of the whole book shows up. If it's just these guys got together and they wanted to build a new school, and they did, no one talks about it. Do you want to be a part of something that the Lord talks about? Or do you just want to be a part of something that just makes total sense? A to B. Makes sense. They got enough people? Good. Got enough money? Good. They got together, they chopped down some logs, and they tied it together? Good. We can go home now. But maybe something better is working. Here's what I think. God wants all the credit. He didn't let the axe get the glory. Jerry, I'm so glad you got that axe, man. I know. I know. Sure, I'm glad of the generosity of others. And then we praise the generosity of others. But even if life stinks, even if your second chance breaks, I tell you, my friend, that God can make it float, and that's the story that God wants to tell. God's highest priority is himself and his story. And he loves you, and the way that we tell God that his highest priority is himself is how we treat others, yes. But if you try to do it all or live a life that is without God, then it's without him. And I tell you that we want to be a church that is obedient and is just simply responding to what God has to do. My friends, the axe is going to break for us. And you can either say, oh no, or you can say, here we go. God's got to move. I don't want to live a life that doesn't have a little bit of fear in it, that doesn't have a little bit of things getting shaken up. I want to live a life that's worth telling the story of. But I will tell you, my friends, God doesn't want to tell a story about how brave you are, how strong you are, how good you are. He wants to tell you about how great He is. God wants us, if you're taking notes, to remember that nothing is ever built just because of our efforts and resources, but by His blessing. God wants it so that when the structure is built, that they would remember that it wasn't built because of their efforts and resources, but because of the will of God. I mean, what more sustaining thing do these guys get in their ministry other than knowing we worked really hard, but it wouldn't have happened unless things that were really heavy started to get lighter. Don't cry for broken axes, my friends, and lost dreams, but bring the truth and see what God can do with a stick. You don't need an axe or a resource, my friend. You need me. That's what he says. Because heavy metals 
carry no weight in my hands. They are weightless in my presence. And when we move and we get out of here, we're not going to get everything right. I was telling our tech team last week that when things go wrong, and I, I know like everything is always perfect and seamless here, but things go wrong sometimes in here because technology is um, temperamental, okay? And things happen. And what can happen is right now we can all blame it on the portable church. Oh, the floor was dirty when we were walking through here. Last week, one of the uh, scissor lifts, a cherry picker, was in the middle of our cafe area. We're like, okay, portable. But you know what can happen is eventually when we're in our own building, we stop blaming portability or the situation, and we can really easily start blaming each other. You know, one of the things that I'm most concerned about at Lake Point when we move is that we would lose our culture, that we would lose part of this way that we love and we're tender and we celebrate people, and that's because things are going to go wrong with the building, so then we risk, we risk that we may stop valuing people when people are accidentally making mistakes with the building or things just happen. You could tune out and miss God's vision for what he has for Lake Point Church because the plumbing might get messed up in the building or the roof will start to leak or somebody will accidentally, probably a teenager, let a raccoon into the building and it'll tear up the carpet. Or you won't like the choice of the colored chair that we pick out or a light might crack or a light bulb might go out or it might smell funny because there are going to be junior hires in there. You know, like, like there are just things that can happen, right? There are just so many weird things that we could see derail the whole thing. I, had, I watched it happen in a different church. It happened where somebody left the church because they didn't like the color of the carpet. No, not us. Not us. Unless you're really passionate about flooring. We've all got a thing. I care about things that you don't care about. And we can move on. And you could say, alas! I don't like these light bulbs. You wasted it. And meanwhile, in the one room we've got figured out, at least as far as its location, the auditorium, we'll stand up and we'll preach and we'll say that there is hope in a resurrected Christ. And you'll say, but you know, I was really let down by the leaders. As soon as we got into here, they stopped answering my emails immediately. And you could miss the mission because something is broken. I'm not even saying that it's like okay that we don't respond to an email right away. I'm not speaking of anything specific. I'm just saying we're going to let you down at some point. And we will look at a story just like this and we'll say, well, somebody sinned. Therefore, that's why this isn't working out. And I will just tell you, Maybe it's not because somebody sinned, but maybe it's because God is like, I'm so happy that I got you into a building. Meanwhile, creator of heavens and earth, want some more attention. And you can look at something broken and say God has left, when really God is saying, this just means I'm here more. Lean in. I've got something to say. Okay, yeah, I like the pastor's preaching on that. Everybody else is like, I don't know where he's going. I told you he'll fix it next week if I go off. When we move, we're not going to get everything right, my friends. But even if we make every perfect decision, something will still break. There are no guarantees or laws that God has to fulfill. You can't 
you can't lose focus on the why of why we are doing what we are doing. We are not moving into a building to make our portable situation easier. We are moving into a building so we can stop talking about do we have to put the floor coverings down and we can say who's the next one person we can tell. There's hope from your addiction. There's hope from your broken marriage. There is hope in the midst of your cancer right now. There is a Jesus and He is sitting next to you and He's ready to talk about your life. We're just over it. And we can lose it if the resource gets broken. Uh, just everything changed since we moved into here. Of course it did. Of course it will change when you move into a new place. Because you can't play basketball in here. <laughs> everything else is psychological. My friend, do not let preferences and psychology get in the way of calling. If you're in this room and you're still alive, hopefully there's no dead people in here yet. You all look good. You have a calling and a mission on your life and a purpose. And let, let me tell you about this. Um, I consider myself to be a red, progressive-y kind of person. And some of you are wondering what that means. It just means, I, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm a little woke, you know? <laughs> and if you don't know what that means, then just move on. But I do believe in a literal devil, in a literal hell. And there's all kinds of, of things where lots of people in our world get really caught up about that. If you want to talk about that, man, I'll, you buy the Starbucks and we'll sit and chat. But I, I really believe that there's evil in this world. And I, I think you too, I think you do too at some level. And for those of you who are believers and you've seen God do amazing things, you probably also see really dark things happen in our world. I don't think that you can look around the world and not believe that there's just evil forces. There is true evil in this world. And here's what I know about that evil and what it's bent on. If the devil can't take away your purpose and get you to walk away from it, he'll try to take away your joy. If the devil can't take away your purpose... Maybe you want to write the word calling in there if that's what you're wrestling with. He'll take away your joy. If the devil can make you think that what you do have to give is so little that God cannot use it, he'll get you to back down. Because the devil may not be able to get you to give up on the good that you feel compelled to do, but he might be able to get you to give up on the joy that you have while doing that. And in that, in that loss of joy, you can lose your purpose and still continue your function. You've seen this. You've seen marriages of people who have just stayed together and there's no joy in their marriage. You've seen it. Some of you were raised in that house. You've seen that before where, I mean, I've seen it in ministry, to be honest, where there have been folks who are like, well, they've kept teaching Sunday school or they've kept being a pastor, but they've lost all their joy while doing it. You've seen the dads who at least, hey, at least they didn't take off on their kids. That's true. But you can walk away from your kids if you don't bring joy there and all you do is bring your body. And you're there and you put food on the table. But you can lose the calling of bringing joy into your home. I can give up on my marriage and still stay married. 
if I give up the joy, I forfeit it. I forfeit the calling that I have as a husband. I, my role as a parent, I'm still there, but there's no joy. I can have dreams where I'm living in a dream job, but I have no joy while I'm at it. Alas, it's broken. Look, it's at the bottom. Here's what I do really enjoy about the story is that these guys go immediately to Elisha. They go to their leaders. They talk about it. And Elisha asks a, a really important question. In uh, verse 6, it says, Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? And what we know is that these guys showed the exact place. This is where it happened. There was some honesty and let me tell you, at that moment, with the axe broken, those guys did not have what it takes to get it done. I was with my wife a number of years ago, and I was telling her, you know, I just, I don't know, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can be this role. I don't know, I don't know if I can do this anymore in ministry. I don't know if I can pastor in this moment. I don't know if I'm the right guy for the job. And she answered after thinking for a while because usually she doesn't know what to do with her hot mess of a husband. Fair enough. And she said, well, but you're the one we've got. You don't have what it takes. They didn't have the resource either. And maybe you know what it's like to have everything taken from you. Maybe you know what deep betrayal feels like. Honestly, with enough things going on in your life, you start to do your math, and maybe you think God is trying to punish you for some sin that you haven't confessed yet. Man, I get you. <laughs> maybe you've had your toy reputation ruined just personally and professionally. But here's what I love. There's, there's this saying that people have said to me over the years, well, you know, take all your problems to God. And I have never known what that meant, to be honest. I always thought when somebody said, hey, take your problems to God, like just take your burdens for Him. You know, He cares about you. He loves about you. The Bible says to place all your anxieties upon Him because He cares for you. That's a beautiful scripture. What? I never know what that means practically. And here's honestly what I think it is. I think it's having a really honest conversation with God even if your belief in Him starts to fade. And when I say honest, I mean, God, here's what happened. And it helps me to be specific, even though I know he was there. Here's what happened at work. Here's what I thought. Here's what I'm so afraid of. That's what they say in this, in this story here. Here's what happened. It's broken. It's borrowed. I can't afford to replace it. I can become a slave over a broken axe head. And I'm terrified. God couldn't fix it. He can't make iron float until the man of God is called over and he says this is where the iron is. And then there's a sacrifice made of just a stick in water and God makes it. I think that God couldn't fix it until God, they told God what happened. And they went through the humble specifics and handed it over. Maybe for you, it's like, God... I went to a website that I shouldn't have again and again. Like, here's what I'm afraid is going to happen. I'm afraid it's never going to stop. I'm afraid I'm never going to change. I'm afraid that you uh, have removed 
some of the opportunities in my life because of it. I feel like maybe, God, you're still punishing me. Let me tell you, without that prayer, I don't think you'll recognize the result of it. I like praying specifics with God. I liked it when I pray to God and I say, if I don't get $108.76 to pay off this bill, man, you ever just had a bill that seems so small now, but back then it was everything? You ever had one of those? Because I prayed specifically, and then I saw $108.67 come in. It's crazy. But then you can watch God work. I think specific prayers open up your eyes to when specific results might come. I believe you get honest with the Lord. And they could have thought, oh, God's provision was over. We're done. The axe is broken. Shut it down. Collect the logs. Sell the lumber. They're kind of crappy, but let's do it. Sorry, I Christian swore. They're bad. Everything's over. The axe, God has removed the provision. That must mean that there's a sin. They could have thought that God's provision is over. Oh, what happened? But now, look at this mess. But God can make metal float, my friend, just as he can bring dead things back to life. Here's what's going on in a quick synopsis in my life. My wife, um, in 2002, fell 15 feet and broke her back. That's why she can't get a spinal tap anymore. It's a mess. When I hug her, it's like a situation of like, what kind of messed up Jenga board you got glued together in that spinal cord of yours. It's a mess. And then another time she gets an x-ray a little while longer and they found a mass in her chest and she had lung cancer. She'd never smoked before. Not that it matters anyways. Lung cancer is the highest killer in our world right now and the least funded because it's a shame cancer that we place on people. Someone tells you they have lung cancer and the first question is, did they smoke? Someone tells you they have cancer. The response should be, let me pray for you now. I believe in a God who heals. No more shame on this. But my wife, she gets lung cancer and oh my goodness, they take it out. And I thought I said, was saying goodbye to my wife at one point, even though my faith was intact. Then the cancer's gone, and we think, good enough. Two major, highly concerning uh, trips to the ICU. She should be golden. We think we're done. We think we've got enough. God's got enough glory, isn't it? You got enough yet? And then she decides to spend the spring having a stroke. A stroke. Okay? She's 39 years old. And I will confess to you, that when, the, when I prayed for her in the hospital, I terrified my family because they thought I was giving last rites. They thought I just, you know, like took a right turn at Catholicism. And I'm praying over my wife. Thank you, hon. And I'm praying over her, and they think I'm saying goodbye, but I'm praying over her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, I ask you to be close, and I ask you to win and be overpower my wife, and I entrust her life to yours, for no one can save her but you, and you are good and mighty, and I'm whispering into her here, you have defeated worse because sin has been defeated for you, and I'm sobbing because I'm a human being, and then I watch the helicopter carry her away, and as I'm trying to drive safely to the next hospital, um, sweet mercy, thanks for GPS, because when it was like, right, turn ahead, I'm like, that's right, I turn right to go right. Like, it was hard to think, and I'm crying out to God, and I'm saying, God, please don't kill her because of my sin in my heart. I'm just a human being. What have I done wrong to cause this? I'm just saying I'm with you. I'm not accusing you. The axe was broken, man. And then, 
She starts talking faster, but when she first comes out, you want to know how I knew that my wife was really in trouble? When I was talking to the doctor and giving her medical history, she wasn't correcting me. <laughs> yeah, husband, don't laugh too loud, all right? Like, but you know, that's how you know something must be wrong with your wife if she's not fixing your story. Pause for applause on this, okay? Because the next part that I tell, everybody just wants to rush in clapping. And I'm telling you that she was able, she's here today, she walked here today, wait. She speaks to me now. She couldn't talk. She did not recognize our children's name. She only recognized their picture. She cried twice, and it was when I showed her a picture, and when I was pointing around the room trying to get her to name objects, which she was struggling with, when I held up my wedding ring and I said, what is this? She couldn't say ring. She said love. Like She was recognizing things slowly, and now... I know that our marriage is saved because we had a good argument this week. Like, <laughs> things are coming back. And God is good. But he's not done. And there was nothing in our life that I feel like God was doing to like require that to happen. And I'm just telling you, stop looking for the reasons why something broke and start looking for God to get all the credit. The word that we would use in Christianity is glory Start looking for that because, my friends, it is through your broken pieces that God starts to pour out His blessings. He did not choose you into your life or into your purpose in spite of your broken parts. He chose you because of them. This is what I believe in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. God, man, I want, I want to get this right. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, that's how your life is described, it's earthen pots, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Your broken pieces, my friend, are not your identifiers of your disqualifications or for God removing His blessings. They are just simply vessels, open doors for Him to show who He is. He wants all the credit. So stop trying to take away His credit by putting blame on yourself. And don't blame the next person. And when it all falls apart, just know that you have opened a door for something more beautiful to shine through. Within one week, I'm also diagnosed with walking pneumonia. They think they... It's one of two ways, and neither of them feel great to this guy. Tom, either you have a mass in your chest, or because you're so fat, we can't get the CAT scan correct. Thanks. And to be honest with you, I started a new diet because I was, I was getting ready to have weight loss surgery. But park your opinions. I'm doing what's right to be a good dad, okay? But here, no, 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 all of them, just park them. I'm just telling you, I thought I was doing the right thing. And then I get so sick that I can barely function, that I'm tired, that my migraines start coming back and it goes into a mess. And then my daughter, my sweet, precious, funny nine-year-old goes swimming with grandma and breaks her foot. Now she's in a walking cast. My wife says, I can feel on my right side again. Great. Why? What's happening? My knee is broken. The bones are rubbing together. And I'm like, sweet mercy. Is there a punch card for me to fill out? Because I'm sure I get at least some free froyo from this. I'm telling you, my friends, 
I don't think God is trying to teach my family a lesson. I feel like he's trying to reveal himself. Because it is not broken pieces that get to tell the story. It is a God who says, I love you. I'm coming after you. And it is through the broken parts that I pour out the blessing. If your axe head is broken, your resources are lost. What you thought were the best parts of your life are now the lost parts of your life. I want to help you to remember to bring the broken parts to Him. Be specific. Name the fears. Get them out into the light for nothing that is good for your soul grows in the dark. Name the fears. What you think is at stake if he doesn't come through and watch him work, albeit in ways that are weird sometimes. But I will tell you that if it made sense to you, you probably would be capable of thinking of DNA. He is a creator. The only reason that we're talking about these guys thousands of years ago was because of God's work, not their building. May we never be known for beautiful facilities and campuses that we build, but may we be known because we showed up and then God showed up more. May we remember. And it happens not because of your potential, not because of your leadership ability, certainly not because of your talent or because of what you believe your calling might be. It happens because of His all-surpassing power. And He wants all the credit, all the glory. And let me tell you, my friend, if you're not dead, God is not done. He's not done with you. So you come as you are. You bring the full truth to him. You be honest with him, because he deserves it. What part of you do you think is broken off for sinking? Or what part is broken off of somebody else, and you've written them off? May your opinions never be grander than our Lord's design. May there always be room in your heart to watch him break off a little piece and make that thing that is so heavy in your weight, in your past, in your today, in your plans for today to escape. May you be rescued. And may you hear my testimony that says, with everything I've got, God's not trying to teach my family a darn thing, but the devil will try to rob my joy. And because I have wonderful people like you in my lives and a pastor who believes in me, he cannot have it. Come as you are, not as where you hope to be. The broken parts are where the blessings come through.